Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. It's time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. Thank you, Perry Woods. And yes, indeed, The Weekend Report is on your radio. Thank you so much for being a part of it. My name is Tony Colombo in studio this week with producer Carl Middleman. Hello. And, of course, my partner Chris Arbs, once again connected through the marvel of modern technology, the Arbs compound somewhere in the St. Louis metro area, in a nondescript building, under 50 feet of concrete <laughs> and steel, <laughs> as we continue to practice proper social distancing. With a kitchen. That's right. Chris? You know you, you know what, guys? Yes, I sir? feel like that old Johnny Cash song from uh, from my travels last week. Yeah, I've been everywhere. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere. So we've got a lot to talk about. I thought, yes. tonight, I thought today's show <laughs> was going to be insane. Um, already after the, and after then, the debate after the debate <laughs> and then we the week goes on and the president gets covid and there and well, there's Hope even Hicks more to talk first. about right right and there's even more to talk about but uh, before we lose the opportunity and just get lost in all of the madness that was this week uh tell us about your trip and uh, the different events that you went to chris Including uh, your opportunity to be there uh, with the with the president in Atlanta last week. Yeah, it was really exciting. It was kind of a last minute thing, Tony. When we were planning the trip to Atlanta for Americans for Citizens voting, I had no idea the president was going to come to town. So it was like an extra bonus um, to see the president uh, do an event with African Americans. Of course, we talked about it on the show. It's called the Platinum Plan. I do have to give a disclaimer that I did not stay. Uh, for the president's visit, very very close friend of mine passed mm. um, that morning, and it was just too emotional for me to just be there, so I left. And then later on, I uh, traveled to Raleigh, North Carolina, for an interesting event. It was an uh, an event of uh, black Republicans, black conservatives. Um, Tom Tillis, the United States Senator from North Carolina, Republican, is in a very tight race, so it was kind of a rally for him. And just a rally to bully African-Americans in North Carolina that the Republican Party is for them and has a better agenda for African-Americans. And um, ironic that that was the biggest story coming out of the debate is the race relations between the president and the Republican Party and 
uh, the African-American voter. And we're going to talk to Gabe Pfeiffer, a.k.a. St. John the Philosopher from the St. John the Philosopher YouTube channel coming up in the next segment. He, like yourself, of course, is a black conservative. And um, so we're going to we'll talk. We'll really get into that issue um, when we talk to Gabe here in a couple minutes. But I want to ask you first, Chris, what did you think about everything that was made of the president's uh, answer to the question about race relations and, you know, the it, the the debate ends and the Democrats all throw up their hands and say, see, the president's a racist and he's signaled white supremacist groups again. And, um, you know, and then Republicans have to point to the fact that the president has countless times denounced white supremacy. And uh, we do this whole vicious circle again. What what was your reaction to uh, what the president said in the debate and then the fallout afterwards. You know, first of all, Tony, if we had a real media in this country, that they would do an investigation of uh, the Proud Boys. I'm hearing all kinds of different things. I'm hearing that they are not a racist group, that they invite African-Americans to, to join their group. I hear there is an Hispanic uh, person that is in high ranking um, within this group. Uh, regarding the president's uh, remark at the debate about stand by and stand down or stand by or stand whatever he said, mm-hmm. I mean, it was just another opportunity where the president dropped the ball. I don't think the president is a racist at all. I think what's in play here is the president just doesn't like to give in on stuff. You know, the media asked him to be presidential at the beginning of his career. He told them to go to heck. <laughs> the, the media asked him to uh, wear a mask. He told them to go to heck. And I think in this instance, he feels that the media is trying to force him to do something um, that he probably wants to do, but he doesn't want to be forced by them. And so he told them to uh, go to heck. Unfortunately, it was not a good thing to do. And a couple of days later, he did finally kind of unequivocally again, as you said, uh, denounce uh, white supremacists and and racism. You know, it was pointed out to me by actually a, a black conservative. I missed this in the debate and even in the uh, conversation afterwards, I, I and this does not make the president's answer any better. It was a, it was not a, it was not a great <laughs> it was in, it was a layup. It was not a great answer. He should have had a better answer. Um, however, and then and I, like others, you know, thought that him saying stand down and stand by was a interesting way to put that. <laughs> but it was pointed out to me again. I completely missed this um, that. Th- those were actually Chris Wallace's words. If you go back and you and you listen to the question, Chris, he, he the president says, "What do you want me to do?" And he said, "Would you be would you be uh, uh, would you be willing to tell those those groups those those protest groups to stand down?" And the president then repeated that and said, "Yes, I would tell them to stand down, stand by." So it it's. It made it made a little more sense to me that he used the term stand down once I realized that that was actually what Chris Wallace exactly asked him to do was use those words Uh, again. Still a bad answer, but made more sense to me why he phrased it like that. But there were so many people talking over each other. Yeah, no, I, I again. This was, was pointed no out to me way. by, uh, I, like I said, this was pointed out to me by an uh, African American conservative. And I want to say, I didn't watch it. I didn't. Yeah. I I knew it was going to be a 
crap show, and it was. And my wife was in the other room. She's like, you got to come see this. And I said, no, I, I didn't want to. And yeah. I'm glad I didn't because after hearing everything that you guys and this station has said, I'm really glad I didn't watch it. Chris, what was your uh, what was your immediate reaction to the whole thing? I was angry. I mean, because, you know, we all know that if Joe Biden starts talking, eventually he's going to wrap the noose around his neck and is going to hang himself. And, you know, I understand the president's strategy. He wanted to be aggressive. But if you want Joe Biden to hang himself, you got to let him talk. Mm. And I think that was just a very bad strategy to try to get Joe Biden off his game by interrupting him constantly. All it did was just really just tick people off. I know it ticked me off. Um, Becky and I were watching it in our hotel room. And probably after about 30 minutes, she was like, I'm out of here. I'm going to sleep. I just can't <laughs> watch or listen to this anymore. And I think Becky is one times millions of people that had the same reaction. Yeah. No, I and I couldn't have been more in the same boat. I there were multiple times I can specifically remember um, when he was talking about the environment and uh, regulations and the the things Joe Biden I'm talking about when he was talking about the things that he was would do. As far as the environment is concerned and the regulations that he would put into place or put back into place. And then also um, the question about Hunter Biden when that issue came out. I've still none of us have ever heard Joe Biden have to give a a real answer about the Hunter Biden situation. So these were two moments that uh, the former vice president started to speak and I could you could tell. It was going to be a bad answer. You could tell by the way he started it. Like, this is going to be red meat for conservatives and for the president, and you're going to be able to tear him up. But he was never allowed to finish those bad answers, so we never heard him because the president wouldn't let <laughs> Joe anyway. Biden finish his bad answers. And I was screaming at the television, and I was screaming at Speaker Tim Jones, who was standing next to me as we were watching the debate here in the 97.1 studio because we were covering it that night, that... Let exactly what you just said, Chris. Let him give a bad answer. Yeah. Let him talk and give this bad answer, and then and then attack him. Um, I I hated the format. I thought Chris Wallace was a disaster, a, a, an unmitigated disaster. The more I think about it, and the more I look back on it, it was a he was a disaster. the The format was terrible. the 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 idea of you get two minutes, and then you get two minutes, and then we're gonna, and then we're going to move on, and not allowing the candidates a chance to rebut uh, accusations thrown at them. That's that's a terrible idea to say. <laughs> All right, Chris, you get two minutes to answer this question, then you answer the question, Chris, and then now it's my turn. And so with my two minutes, I just tear you to pieces, and then that, and then it's over with. And the moderator says, okay, it's time to move on. And then you say, wait a minute, Tony just tore me to pieces. Do I get a chance to respond? And the moderator says, no, you had your two minutes earlier. <laughs> well, yeah, I had my two minutes before this other he person called me a name. made all these accusations. Don't I get a chance to respond? Nope, we're moving on. What? You know, guys, I heard a very interesting analysis um, that was given after the debate. You guys remember the, during the – no, we weren't on live, any of us. But during the 1960 debate – People that listened to the debate on the radio yeah. 
thought that Richard Nixon won. That's correct. But the people that watched it on TV thought that JFK won. Mm -hmm. Well, in this particular debate, you know, if you read the transcript of the debate, Donald Trump got a lot more substantive questions and issues into the debate than Joe Biden ever did. But because of the visual of the president constantly interrupting and, and yes. that distraction that people really don't didn't realize. But if you read the transcript, and I did after hearing that, um, the president got a lot of uh, substance, substantive uh, issues into the debate. But, uh, of course, because of all the rancor, he didn't get to answer. Now, one thing I always guys tell you, a lot of people don't understand how I can watch MSNBC and CNN and all that. I do because they give you a very keen insight of what the Democrats are thinking. Mm-hmm. And on the way home, I was listening to a Democratic podcast, and surprisingly, they were admitting that Joe Biden's performance was very, very weak, and he looked shaky. And the only reason they were giving him the edge was because of the president's performance. So I think that was very, very telling. Yeah. No, the president did did what he does best, and that is uh, steal defeat from the jaws of victory <laughs> because exactly. he did answer questions, and he had better answers, in my opinion, to many of the questions that were asked. I don't. Joe Biden didn't answer any questions. He— no. He, one the question about the about the Supreme Court, he just said, "I'm not going to answer." Which I didn't. Yeah. When when is that ever? I, I didn't know that was okay. I didn't know that was an option. And, and the thing, Tony, I'm not going to answer it because I don't want my answer to be an issue. Yeah. What the heck does that mean? What does that mean? He he, <laughs> he doubled down on that in the days following when asked about it. He said, "Well, yeah, I didn't answer because uh, whatever I say, uh, that's going to be the headline." Yes, Yes. exactly. That's what happens when you're president or running for president. Everything you say, because those decisions are big deals. And of course, they're going to be headlines. And if you're too much of a coward to answer the question, then you're obviously hiding something. And it obviously means that you're going to pack the court. If you if you refuse to answer the question of whether or not you're going to eliminate the filibuster and pack the court, then that means you're going to do those things, obviously. So. Again, just either flat out saying I'm not going to answer the question or just giving a a standard politician non-answer to all the questions is what Joe Biden did all night. So he didn't answer anything. The president did answer and had some good answers, but he ruined it all by his behavior (laughs) and looking like a five-year-old that just wouldn't let anybody else speak. And so the whole thing just turned into an absolute train wreck. And, Tony, Joe Biden made a very big mistake, too, is the president is very good at bullying people and dragging people down in the mud with him when it comes to debating and and public discourse. And Joe Biden made a big mistake calling the president a racist, a clown and the worst president of the United States. Joe Biden could have really scored a lot of points with his poor performance if he could if he didn't uh, uh, dive down in the mud with the president. It appears statesman's like statesman's like. Yep, absolutely. All right. We're going to wrap up this first segment. We have got a great show, a packed show for you today. Uh, I mentioned the former Missouri Speaker of the House, Tim Jones. Uh, He, along with Rodney Boyd, were with me in studio 
Uh, Tim and I watched the the debate here at the 97.1 studio, and then Tim and Rodney were with me throughout the night for our special uh, post-debate coverage here on 97.1. So um, after, so uh, Tim and I were together immediately after the debate and had our reaction to it. I'm going to have Tim back on here in a little while so we can, after he's had some time to digest all of it, uh, get a, get his thoughts on it. Uh, like I mentioned, we're going to talk to Gabe Pfeiffer, a.k.a. St. John the Philosopher, coming up here in the next segment. And a little bit later on in the show, we are going to talk to the My Pillow guy, yeah. Mike Lindell. He's uh, back on the weekend report. So don't go anywhere. Lots more to go here on 97.1 FM Talk. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello and welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo here in studio with producer Carl Middleman. Hello. And my partner Chris Arps is at his home as we continue to practice proper social distancing. And as I mentioned in that last segment, joining us now on the phone is Gabe Pfeiffer, a.k.a. St. John the Philosopher from the St. John the Philosopher YouTube channel. If you are not familiar with Gabe and his YouTube channel yet... I don't know what to do for you. I don't know. <laughs> I we've we've had game on many times. He's part of the family now. If you still haven't gone and checked out the Saint John the Philosopher YouTube channel, do it, will you? Because you will be uh, you will be more informed and better for it. Uh, Gabe, thank you so much for uh, your time today. How are you? Hey guys, good to be back. Uh, good to hear your voices again. Yeah. It's been a while since I've been on the Weekend Report. No kidding, no kidding. It's uh, uh, it's great to hear you each and every week as a regular now on the Annie Fry Show, and of course, um, uh, just about every other show here on the radio station. <laughs> so it's uh, I'm making my way through. Yeah, great to talk to you. <laughs> um, uh, what's the what's the latest on the what's the latest videos on the channel before we um, I want to I usually do this last but I want to do it first because I'm afraid that sure, once sure. we get into the uh, the <laughs> issues it, we're never gonna we're never gonna stop and we're gonna run out yeah, of time. Yeah, once that train's rolling, exactly. Once that, down, ex- right? you got that right. So uh, uh, we'll <laughs> we'll do this one a little bit backwards. What's the latest uh, with the YouTube channel and how's that going? Oh, uh, it's it's going pretty good. I'm up to uh, 1,200 subscribers. Drivers now, so nice. yeah, join join early. You'll you might get some free stuff. Um, but nice. <laughs> um, the latest video I have is um is about how pe- people treat politics like religion, and just kind of talking about that whole deal. And uh, it it was it was something that I encourage people to watch before the debates. Um, but uh, you know you you've all been exposed now, but still it, it's still relevant. And uh, I've got one coming up. I'm gonna I'm actually gonna be uh, recording it right after this. Um, where we're going to take a little detour away from politics because I know you need it, and we're going to talk talk some um, um, TV and movies and things like that. Nice. Good stuff. Yeah, you get it all there on the St. John the Philosopher YouTube channel. Um, and once again, like I said, you need to go and subscribe and check out all the videos because it's, it's great stuff. Um, and like you said, you, you everywhere from pop culture to very serious 
political, religious discussions. So go and check oh, yeah. it out. Uh, in that first segment, Gabe, uh, Chris and I had a chance to talk a little bit about the debate, uh, our reaction to it. Obviously, one of the biggest stories coming out of the debate was the president's answer to the question uh, about race. And you, like Chris, being a black conservative, I wanted to get your thoughts on what the president said and the media's reaction to it and the fact that Joe Biden called him a racist. How did what did you what did you think of all that? Well, my, my main takeaway was that it was a missed opportunity by Trump because he, you know, at, at this point, this should be a question that he's rehearsed, that he, you know, that he's got a, a, a pat answer for. Um, and and, you know, it, it's it's one of the things where. Um, you know he wants to lean into his fighter persona, you know the guy who, who stands up to the the uh, the, the liberal uh, media and 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 leftist accusations of things, and and he did attack, but it was more, you know, in I guess in fighter parlance, it was just really him flailing in response as opposed to sticking and jabbing and moving like we've seen him do in other cases. Uh, w- one thing I would have really liked him to do is demand an apology. From guys like Wallace and the media for for the smear job, because mm. you know the entire premise of the question itself was predicated on lies, and then Joe Biden's response was built on that lie. So you know he touched it very briefly. It was kind of caught in the crosstalk where he said, "Finish, finish the quote, Joe." You know, basically because if you actually you know read the the the, the transcript of, of the quote, you know, good people on both sides, literally in the next breath, he's basically saying he, he's saying I'm not talking about white supremacists and and right. and the and Nazis. Yeah. So nobody it, ever it, finishes it, the quote. No, no. So I, I mean, it's it, the question itself was disingenuous um, and and, you know, built on, on false premise. And I don't know if you guys know this, but in the 2016 debate, Chris Wallace himself asked the same dang question. Yeah. So. Yeah, ask the question about white supremacy. Ask the president, well, the, the then candidate, to denounce it, in, which he did yeah. right there on which stage in front of Chris Wallace. Uh, Chris, what do so, you think so of— the thing is— if you, Go ahead, yeah. Gabe. Go ahead, Gabe. If you, if, you keep at, if you keep asking the same question over and over and not accepting the answer, you're not actually interested in that answer. Chris, what do you think of uh, of what Gabe just said? Oh, I, I agree 100%. Gabe, I want to ask you as a black person to give your— uh, radio answer because it has to be clean. <laughs> well, the reaction mm-hmm. that you had when you heard the president say "stand by" and "stand back." What was what? Yeah, g- give us the clean <laughs> <laughs> reaction to that. You have. It, it started with mother. <laughs> <laughs> ha. Ha. But and, and the thing is, it's and it was really just a, a you know a a true expression of frustration because. I, you know, I kind of get what he was doing. He was, I mean, he was talking very quickly, kind of off the cuff. He he had no idea who the group is that that they named. It's not as though they named something, you know, easy like and and you know, knowable like the the Nazis or the KKK. They named the Proud Boys. And like, what does that even mean, right? So he's he's just kind of talking, uh, and and you know, this is uh, part of you know Trump's diarrhea of the mouth problem, where he he'll just keep going um, without necessarily thinking it all through and and i'm just like oh man like and but the thing is he got there because he didn't hit back against the question initially so i was already miffed that he didn't he didn't turn the question back on wallace because like i said it was a disingenuous question um 
I'm, you know, he, I'm not sure he, that I he agree. He had that frustra- frustrated he, response of, you know, oh, you know, who? well, fine, fine. I can I can do that. Who do you want me to denounce? Who do you want me to denounce? Yeah. You know, it was it's basically frustration and, and kind of he, he's had enough with this stuff, but he, he did exactly the wrong thing there. I'm not sure I believe that he didn't know who the Proud Boys are, but I do agree completely that there were he the president never stopped talking. Chris Wallace is trying to shout out a question and Joe Biden is shouting at the president all at the same time. And, you know, in in that frenzy, I think, you know, the president just said what he said. And, you know, it was a bad answer and a missed opportunity. Exactly what you said. I think that all of that madness happening at once definitely contributed to the uh, the clunky answer that the that the president gave. I caught a lot of uh, flack this week, and I have also in the past um, from people who believe that the president is a racist and signals yeah. and signals white supremacists. And I just refuse to go there. All the dog because, whistles, right? Yeah, and I just refuse to go there. <laughs> and 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 I, this is, I said this on the on the air earlier this week, and I want to say it to both of you because I want to. I want to get your thoughts on this. Whenever I am talking about the president and race, I personally do not believe that the president is a racist. I also personally believe that the president's policies and um, agenda is much better for the African-American community and my community and every and the Latino community and everybody else. I, th- I feel like there's more benefits and opportunities for all of us Um with that, uh, with with his plan, so that's that's where I'm at. But I I struggle as a as a white guy um, trying to whenever these whenever these issues come up because I feel like when people are screaming that it's so obvious, it's just so obvious that the president is a racist, and why are you not? Why won't you condemn white supremacy and why, like, not the president, me, like, Tony, why won't you condemn white supremacy by saying that the president is a racist? And I think to my, <laughs> and, I, and what, I, what I honestly think about is guys like you, guys like Chris Arps and Gabe Pfeiffer and Burgess Owens and all of these conservative black people that I, that I know and I think are much smarter than I am. And I think to myself, Am I am I supposed to go on here and and tell every and tell you Gabe that hey listen you're not I I need to tell you that the president is racist. I know you're not smart enough to see that for yourself, but you're 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 <laughs> you're supporting a racist. And so I need to I need to educate you on that. Like I just feel like it's so I feel like it's so racist to t- to try to t- tell black conservatives that the president is racist. Does that make any sense? Like, I feel like I feel crazy. Like I'm in this, this loop. Uh, I'd love to, I'd love to get both of your thoughts on what I just said. Gabe, go first. Uh, Well, it, it, it does feel really weird when, you know, all of, all the woke white liberals want to tell me uh, what racism is. And, and I I just kind of, I shake my head a little bit and and I, I want to go off. I want to start judging them basically by their own standard of of what racism is. Um, But, but I think that's kind of the problem is their standard of what racism is, is 
first of all, it's, it's a bad standard. And, and second, all of their evidence is, is either uh, fabricated or, um, or a, a sort of uh, deliberate misconstruence of, of, of reality in service to the narrative. So it's almost like you, you're not really going to have much of a chance to break, that, break them of that. Um, I, I almost kind of want to do, do like a, a five-second video you can just pull up on your phone where I look directly in the camera and say, Donald Trump is not a racist. Shut up. <laughs> and, then, and then you just move on. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure that would help either. Chris, what do you what do you think of uh, of what I what I illustrated? I think a lot of black people uh, are being political, and when they say that the president is a racist and these things that he are saying are, are dog whistles, I think a lot of black people have a a sensitivity or whatever you want to call it to racism, especially racism and racist, especially if you have a similar experience like I had where you grew up in majority white community, you went to a majority white school, your your sports teams were majority white. I think because of that exposure, I can spot somebody who is a, is a racist. Mm-hmm. And I just don't oh, yeah. see that in, in Donald Trump. And, and also when I'm saying that I think black people have a, 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 a gene or a sensitivity to it. Look, if Donald Trump was a racist, Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson and the civil rights groups wouldn't have been giving him awards mm-hmm. uh, for his great humanitarian efforts to African-Americans if he was a racist. A person that has been in public life for 40 years cannot hide the fact that they are racist. And we haven't heard any reports about being uh, Donald Trump becoming a racist until he decided to run run for president. So I don't believe all that. Tony, I think it's what I said in our earlier segment is the president is just stubborn. And he doesn't want the media telling him to con- to condemn somebody. He just he, he, they told him to be presidential. He said, go to hell. He told them to wear a mask. He told them to go to hell. I think it's the same thing with this. <laughs> he doesn't want the media uh, uh, telling him to denounce anybody. Yeah, no, I think that's um, I think that that's very well said. Uh, let's move on. Uh, there's plenty of other topics to talk about now. The. Uh, uh, president has uh, coronavirus. Gabe, what um, does? How does this affect this campaign? How does it affect the president, if at all, with voters? What do you think about this situation? Um, I think uh, it's not going to move the needle in terms of uh, um, you know where the bases are, obviously, and and and. But I think one thing that that may do it, and and this is this seems to be the case if you if you look at movements like you know the walkway movement and things like that often one of the things that that gets people is just the vileness of left-leaning people uh at least the one the ones in public eye and um you know all of the basically wishing for his death is is going to turn off a good number of people so uh i think ultimately this is going to help him uh, I, I imagine, you know, given the uh, the um, even though he's kind of in, in one of the, uh, the trouble groups, I think given statistics on this, he's, he's going to survive it. And it's not going to be that big of a deal. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it, it's going I think it's going to be end up being a positive uh, COVID-19 positive thing for the president uh, going forward in the election. Got a few minutes left here with Gabe Pfeiffer, a.k.a. St. John, the philosopher. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, I was just saying from and I agree with Gabe. I also think from a little from a political standpoint, this hurts the president a little bit because he's going to be off the campaign trail for two weeks. 
And That's true. he's not going to, be ha- going to be having these airport hangar rallies where we're seeing all of these people. And as I always say, being in politics, the last few weeks of a campaign, you want to try to build up as much momentum as you can, do as many rallies as you can. And with less than 30 days or 30 days left in the campaign, him being off the trail for two weeks and not doing these rallies concerns me a, a little bit. Gabe, uh, Amy Coney Barrett situation, you are a, uh, a, a very religious person, a leader at uh, the church. We're not Catholic, but, uh, you know, very no. much based <laughs> in your in your Christian religion. That seems to mm-hmm. be religion is shaping up to play a, a, a big role in the confirmation hearings of Judge Barrett. What do you think of uh, what do you think of the idea of trying to uh, put a person on the court in short order here before the election? And what do you think of Amy Coney Barrett? Well, I I think, uh, you know, considering the history of this whole thing where, you know, especially in the cases where the uh, Senate is the same party as the president, that, you know, they're just going to do what's always been done and move forward with it, Uh, Take you know, taking advantage of the political situation, you know, regardless of how various people want to, uh, uh, you know, excuse it or not excuse it or, or, you know, cause an issue for it. This has always been the case is kind of how it works. When the president and the Senate are are in in the same party, they're going to get their judges. Um, no matter what time of the year it is. Now, in, in terms of uh, uh, the, the attacks that are coming from the, the left, uh, I really hope they, they go all out and try to destroy her like they did last time because that backfired bigly with the, uh, <laughs> the electorate. And, and I, I think, uh, you know, the more they harp on, on religion, especially, you know, the, the large Democrat uh, uh, Catholic um, contingent is going to, to see their religious bigotry for what it really is. Go ahead, Chris. Oh no, I didn't have anything. Oh, do you have do you have thoughts on the Amy Coney Barrett situation? <laughs> <laughs> I do. You know, I think the Democrats are in a very tough situation. Um, they have to gin up their base, so they're going to be anti-Catholic and all of this stuff. But I I'm afraid and I'm glad, but I think they're going to do the same thing that they did in 2002 uh, when my old boss Jim Talon was elected in that election. And if you remember, a very popular Senator Wellstone from Minnesota died in a plane crash uh, about a month before the election. And the public memorial service turned into a giant campaign ra- uh, rally. Oh, yeah. And it totally mm-hmm. turned off a lot of voters. And I think these uh, confirmation hearings uh, have the possibility of doing the same thing. Almost out of time, Gabe. Before we let you go, wanted to get your thoughts on mail-in voting. Like you said, it's been a while since we had you on the show, so there's so many things we haven't had a chance to talk <laughs> about <the> yet. <laughs> yeah, we haven't had a chance to talk about a lot of these things. Uh, mail-in voting has been a big issue, and it appears like it's going to play a big role in this election. What are your thoughts on the idea of mail-in voting? Uh, I actually had a, a brief uh, Twitter conversation with uh, Kira Davis on this of, of uh, Red State, and and my, I still I continually get this feeling. I have no real basis for it, but I, I get this feeling that we're going to see the silent majority kind of speak pretty bigly. <laughs> I love I'm mm. loving, loving that word this, this day, <laughs> uh, but uh, in in the election and that uh, the the Trump electoral lead on uh, election night is going to be. Uh, so large that it, it's you know the mail-in ballot is going to look like a hail mary play for uh, for Joe Biden. So I I think ultimately it may not play as big of a role in this election as 
as uh, as we're expecting. Although, you know, it's still, you know, fraught with fraud and things like that that we want to take care of. But I'm not sure it's going to have that big of an effect just because I, I'm really hopeful for the uh, silent majority. That is Gabe Pfeiffer, a.k.a. St. John the Philosopher from the St. John the Philosopher YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe to that channel and check out all of Gabe's videos. And, of course, you can also hear him every Friday right here on 97.1 on the Annie Fry Show. And, Gabe, we appreciate your time today. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Gabe. Thank you much. You bet. All right, we got to take another quick break. One more segment to go in this first hour. And then in the second hour, we're going to talk to the My Pillow guy, Mike Lindell, and also the former Missouri Speaker of the House, Tim Jones. Plenty more to go here on the Weekend Report. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to 97.1 FM Talk. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo here with producer Carl Middleman. Hello. And my partner, Chris Arps. Great stuff there from Gabe Pfeiffer, St. John the Philosopher. Uh, If you missed it, make sure you check out our podcast, which we put out, of course, each and every week. Um, we've got a few minutes left here in this first hour, then a big second hour coming up. We are going to play a brand new, it's been a few weeks, but a brand new edition of the Weird News Challenge. Woo-hoo. We will also talk to the My Pillow guy, Mike Lindell, back on the weekend report. Looking forward to that. And we'll start the hour with uh, former Missouri Speaker of the House and host of the Tim Jones Show. Tim Jones is going to join us. So got a lot to go- get to in that uh, second hour while we still have a few minutes here in this first hour, Chris. Um, we've touched on the the situation with the president and his diagnosis with COVID. Um, I saw a story this week that showed uh, other leaders around the world, like uh, Boris Johnson and I believe the president of Brazil, who both went through bouts with coronavirus and came out on the other side with higher popularity numbers. Um, how do you think this is going to affect the president overall? Is this going to endear some voters to him, or are we in such a polarized situation that um, it doesn't really matter? Tony, I think we're in such a polarized situation that it really won't matter. I am happy to say that on my Facebook page, I have a lot of Democrat friends, and I did see people that put the partisanship down and we're wishing the first lady and the president uh, a speedy recovery. But overall, I, I don't I think the president you either love him or you hate him. And as I've we said earlier in the segment, I think the Democrats or the show, the Democrats may make a mistake of just going too far 
uh, of criticizing the president, and then they were going to really be criticizing Amy Barrett, uh, Amy Comey Barrett. Mm-hmm. So they're in a they're in a very potentially uh, dangerous situation for themselves because they can't control themselves emotionally, and they believe that the country believes like they do, and they just always go too far. A lot of people on the left, including once again Nancy Pelosi don't want to see Joe Biden in another debate. They feel they didn't want to see him in the first debate. And I think they feel like they got away with it. I think the president's behavior allowed uh, Joe Biden to win that debate in a lot of people's eyes. And they feel like, let's quit while we're ahead. They could use the president's diagnosis as maybe an excuse. Do you see this having any effect on the debate schedule moving forward? And maybe this... um, uh, maybe a, a move by the Democrats to say we're not going to put our candidate on stage with somebody who's had coronavirus? Well, I tell you, I, the next debate in two weeks, I don't think uh, that's going to happen. But I tell you what was really surprising me, and I was mainly hearing this from African-Americans, uh, Democrats, who, of course, don't trust the president, but they weren't believing the diagnosis. They were thinking this was a ploy by the president to get out of debating Joe Biden in two weeks. I I know that sounds unbelievable because that's what the president wants. Yeah. But there's a lot of speculation that this diagnosis is not real. Oh, I would imagine that the president is irate about this, about this diagnosis and the fact that he will not be able to conduct himself the way that he wants to conduct himself. He wants to be on the road. He wants to be giving rallies. He wants to be debating. I think that I don't think I I would like to think that nobody's capable of faking a diagnosis like this and and using it as a tool. But if anybody was going to do it, it would be in this situation, the Democrats and Joe Biden. It does not. This does not help the president in any way as far as his campaign is concerned, because he is such a a believer in going to these swing states and holding rallies and talking to the press and being on the chopper and, you know, just and constantly traveling this. I would no way do I believe that the president is uh, making this up in order to hide, if you will. Yeah. And one thing that concerns me, you know, when you do polling, the president does very well when it comes to economy. But one of his Achilles heels, and the Democrats have been very uh, good at at uh, hitting this, is his response to COVID. The president doesn't get very good uh, remarks from the pu- marks from the public on his response. And I think with the president coming down with COVID and not wearing masks and saying that this was going to be over by the springtime or it's going to be over in the summer when it's hot, it's just going to disappear. I think it's going to complicate his argument um, that he uh, complicate his argument a little bit that he did a great job with with COVID. Chris, a big piece of news came out this week that got absolutely no attention because of the debates and coronavirus and everything else. And that was uh, declassified information shows that in September of 2016, Hillary Clinton approved moving forward with, on the issue of then-candidate Donald Trump working with the Russians to hamper our elections, even though there was no factual basis that's been proven now, that, and it's been proven that she knew that, and that even uh, Democrats and Republicans, but even Democrats at the time, acknowledged there was no factual basis to move forward with that, but they did. 
And it was at the same time as the Clinton's email controversy. <laughs> that seems like a very damning piece of evidence against the Democrats that hasn't even been talked about. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, it's very damaging. And, you know, I'm surprised that it really got out. They'll probably just try to make it a one day story to say, hey, look how fair. I think it was a no day story. <laughs> and, and, then, and then they'll bury it. So, you know, the the uh, the. The what I'm looking forward to is the report that's coming out on the investigation of the investigation of Russia. We still haven't heard uh, all of that yet. Some of the details have leaked out, but uh, that may be a October surprise. And we are in October, right, Tony? Yeah, we that, are. Uh, we, we may sure see are. in the coming days and weeks. Um, I saw some footage this week of the Kavanaugh confirmation hearings and. Why would you subject yourself to that again? I didn't do it on purpose. They were showing it as they were getting prepared for uh, the Amy Coney Barrett confirmation hearings coming up. Um, it's a reminder of what level Democrats are capable of going to. I mean, you go back and you watch this. I don't know if we've just become so desensitized to name calling and accusations and I mean, just throwing out wild statements um, in these confirmation hearings, disgusting things being said. And to think that we're possibly gearing up to go through all that again is a sad prospect for the country. Um, Do you have any thoughts as we get ready to go through this all again with Amy Coney Barrett? I do, Tony. I mean, it is sad that something, you know, 20, 25 years ago, um, Supreme Court justices used to be confirmed like 95 to 5 or 98 to nothing, you know, very overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly uh, uh, confirmed. And it's just a sad state of affairs that it's become so uh, acrimonious. I mean, if look what they did with, with Kavanaugh going back to his high school days. Yeah. Um, if they are willing to sink that low— and here's a person that is uh, Amy Comey Barrett is practically going to be confirmed. They can't stop it. You know, they're going to throw everything out at her. I wouldn't uh. be surprised if they brought somebody from her preschool class <laughs> saying that she stole her crayons. No or kidding. No kidding. All right. We've got to take a break, wrap up this first hour, but a big second hour coming up with the My Pillow guy, Mike Lindell, and Tim Jones joins us next. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. It's time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. Thank you, Barry Woods. And yes, indeed, it's hour number two of The Weekend Report on your radio. If you missed anything from that first hour, make sure you check out our podcast. You can get The Weekend Report podcast just about anywhere you get podcasts. But I would recommend the Radio.com app. It's one-stop shopping for everything here at the radio station. You download the Radio.com app, your favorite 97.1 FM talk. Then you can stream the station 24-7. You can rewind live radio, and you can download the podcast of this and every other show on the station absolutely free. You can get the Weekend Report podcast, and you can get the Tim Jones Show podcast right there. Yeah. 
And joining us on the phone to start this first hour, as I mentioned. Second hour. Is, oh, a second hour. Thank you, Carl. <laughs> We've been here a while. You're right. We're is, just having so much fun. We don't know what time it is. Yeah, it's a, it's a mess. It flies by. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, Tim joined me in the studio for the debate this past uh, Tuesday, and it was a wild night, and now we've had a few days to digest it, and more news has happened, so I wanted to catch up <laughs> with the former Missouri Speaker of the House, Tim Jones, uh, right now. Tim, how is it going, my friend? It's hard to keep up these days, Tony, but we're doing the best we can, that's for sure. No kidding, no kidding. So, uh, yeah, before we get into any of the other issues, um, we we had an opportunity to go on the air immediately following the debate, fresh and raw and still reeling from what we just saw. Um, after having several days to digest all of it, um, looking back on that debate, what are your what are your thoughts? Well, as I've digested it, as I've re-listened to some of it, as I've had a different perspective on it, you know, because it was so it was a very raw, bare knuckle debate. But as I, I, I sat back and listened to other people talk about it as well, some respected national commentators that, that I really admire, I think a lot of them are right. And it's, it, it was my analysis in a way on debate night. I brought this up several times and it's where I've ended up. It was an epic, bare-knuckled brawl cage match between Donald Trump and Chris Wallace, and there was this other old guy on the stage watching. <laughs> that's, that's how I looked at it. And I think Chris Wallace has done major damage to his brand as someone who has been portrayed as, you know, maybe not definitely a, a – well, definitely not a Trump fan, uh, definitely somebody who caters uh, quite a bit to trying to be a centrist uh, it was obvious uh, in, in re-looking at, at a lot of the clips that uh, Chris Wallace was out to cross-examine Donald Trump in the most severe way possible and call into question a lot of his uh, policy uh, positions and personality, for sure. Chris Wallace has a big problem with Donald Trump's personality. I don't know why he can't get past that, like every other uh, adult in the room, but he wants to cater to Joe Biden's brand of whateverism, right? And Joe Biden is not the Joe Biden that Chris Wallace grew up with and, and may have admired over the years as someone who worked a lot and so on and so forth. Joe Biden is going to be controlled by the far left wing of his party. And I don't think Chris Wallace is a leftist at all. I think Wallace tends to favor the establishment uh, wing of Washington, D.C., whether that's Republican or Democrat. He's, he's an inside-the-beltway bubble kind of guy, and he thinks that Joe Biden will restore professionalism and courtesy and all that malarkey, to borrow Joe Biden's term, <laughs> that a lot of Americans got tired of four years ago. It was, we had a populist uprising in this country that pushed back against uh, K Street and against the beltway bubble. And against Washington, D.C., running every aspect of our lives. And that's why Donald Trump won. He didn't inspire racism in the country or xenophobia. He inspired Americanism. And he inspired the people being back in control of our government. And I think that's something Wallace and a lot of those, uh, a lot of those ivory tower eggheads up in D.C. have never figured out. Go ahead, Chris. Mr. Speaker, I'd like to press upon your constitutional legal expertise here. Yes, sir. The Democrats are saying, and Chuck Schumer is saying that if they win, they're going to add a couple of more states to the union. Um, they're talking about packing the court. They're talking about eliminating the filibuster. 
I know the Constitution does not give a prescribed number of, uh, of justices, but if the Democrats do take on this naked power grab and hopefully we'll have a six to three court, is there anything that we can do to stop this? Can a lawsuit uh, be filed, I guess, to stop this naked yeah. power grab, I guess what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, Chris, so a lot of the compact between our representatives and senators in Washington, D.C., and the American people over the last 230-some-odd years has been a lot based on the morals, the norms, the, the unspoken code of the country, right, Chris? A lot of it has yes. been just on this is how we think things should properly be done. So a lot of people are probably surprised that the Constitution is silent on a lot of these issues. Uh, the court has not been oh, packed, uh, increased uh, since the late 1800s. That was the last time the number was increased to nine, and everybody since then was like, you know, okay, nine's a good number for whatever reason. It's an odd number. We're never going to have a tie, uh, and nine is a good cross-representative uh, cross-section of America. We get a lot of different points. We get nine different points of view. Um, so that's what people have have have, uh, have lived with. Uh, the last time it was threatened, it didn't happen, right? It happened when FDR was trying to get the big uh, New Deal, the original New Deal, done back uh, during his time. And he was like, well, if I can't get this through or if you're going to all have a problem with this, then I'm just going to pack the court and, you know, and make sure it all gets uh, ratified that way with activist judges. And uh, he won in the sense that he got the New Deal passed. He did not pack the court. So we've gone for what? well over 125 years with not increasing the, the, the size of the court. So Harry Reid started breaking the, the norms, the rules, the mores of the country back uh, during his tenure when he said no more filibuster for, uh, for, for nominees below the Supreme Court. So anybody that's attacking Mitch McConnell for anything he's done, they need to blame Harry Reid first. And, you know, it's unfortunate that you have – that's why you don't go down the slippery slope, right? That's why you never take the first step, because Harry Reid started breaking that compact between the understanding the American people had of how judicial decisions were going to be decided and where we've gone. So we've gotten rid of the filibuster under Harry Reid for everybody below Supreme Court. Now Mitch McConnell said, fine, what's good for the goose, good for the gander. We've got to get these nominees approved. Everybody's happy he's done it, but he's had to break uh, another, another rule in customs now where you don't have a filibuster for Supreme Court nominees. I don't think the American people will put up with going even further than that. And so, Chris, the only way – I don't know if a lawsuit would do it. Elections have consequences. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. That's the perfect way to say it. Elections have consequences, and if you put a one party in complete and total power – then you're gonna give them the opportunity to have their way. So, so Tony, so Tony, I'm gonna say, stop electing people that are gonna continue to break the Constitution mm. and continuing to break the compact between the American people and their representatives and senators in the federal government. How we have operated. There are a group of people, right? There is the official organization, the communist-run organization of BLM. The Soros-funded entities, Antifa, their design is to break the Constitution, to break the customs and principles on which this country was founded, and basically civilization, right? It is not racist or xenophobic to say that you want law and order in a civilized society. It wasn't just white people that thought that up, right? We can go back to ancient Rome and ancient Egypt and all the, uh, the ancient Mayans and the Aztecs 
all the civilizations that built the code on which we currently have our judicial system of jurisprudence and law, right? It didn't, it didn't start with a bunch of white guys back in the late 1700s. Hmm. You know, right. there, there was an idea of what civilized society should be, and civilized society has been created over the last many thousands of years by people of all races, colors, creeds, and codes all over the globe. This just happens to be the current manifestation of that, the United States of America, the most free representative democracy ever to be established on this planet. And there's a group of people that want to now destroy that and, as they say, burn it all down. That is the former Missouri Speaker of the House, Tim Jones, host of the Tim Jones Show, which you can hear every Sunday night at 7 o'clock. Tim, before we let you go, what is on the show tomorrow? I knew you were going to ask me that, and I I looked and I forgot. We've got two big guests. How about that? Uh, <laughs> there you go. Got, you know what? You're going to have to honesty. listen. Keep them guessing. Uh, Keep them executive, guessing. <laughs> executive producer extraordinaire Ken Williams has lined up two huge national guests for us. You're going to have to tune in to see who they are tomorrow evening. And I do know, I do know, we do have a. Re- I, I do remember this. We do have a Republican candidate in the city of St. Louis named Gabriel Jones. No relation. He's a brother from another mother. Uh, <laughs> Gabriel Jones is going to be on. Can, does he have a chance this year with Trump at the top of the ticket in Missouri? Tune in to hear uh, what his story is and our two national guests tomorrow night. Yeah, we'll be listening and we'll all find out together with the host. It'll be great. Tim, <laughs> thanks so Thank much. You, gentlemen. Oh, and don't forget, uh, we will be back in studio uh, for the vice presidential debate. Tim will be back in studio with me, and we'll have special coverage here on 97.1 FM Talk of that debate uh, coming off the heels of the presidential debate, which uh, I'm sure we'll see a much different show uh, from the vice presidential candidates. So uh, looking yeah. forward to that. Looking forward to that Tony, as well. probably, probably one of the most meaningful, important VP debates in our lifetime. Agreed. Completely agree. Tim, thanks so much for your time. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, gentlemen. Great show. Talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. We need to take a quick break. When we get back, Chris, we're going to talk to the MyPillow guy. Mike Lindell, back on the Weekend Report. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to 97.1 FM Talk. Welcome back to the Weekend Report. 97.1 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo here in studio with producer Carl Middleman. Hello. My partner Chris Arps continues yes. to practice proper social distancing, so he is connected via the modern marvel of modern technology. And as I mentioned, that round of applause, Chris, maybe, for our guest returning to the show, the founder and CEO of MyPillow, Mike Lindell, back on the Weekend Report. Mike, thanks so much for your time today. Great to talk with you. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's going great. You bet. Uh, so as I mentioned, we talked to you uh, last year, but man, a lot has happened <laughs> in in yes, the, it has. the time the, <laughs> since we last spoke. Um, 2020 has been an absolutely crazy year, and uh, you mm-hmm. have continued to fight for um, some of the values and principles that you believe in, and you're now, mm-hmm. I believe, an official surrogate for the President of the United States, which has to be an mm-hmm. incredible um, honor, and what a, a relationship to have. Um, before we get into any specifics, uh, just give us an update on that and, and your, your relationship with the president and why it's, you know, politics is, you know, and, and 
working towards some of these issues are so important to you? Well, you know, when I first met him uh, in 2016, I had never been into politics. I was an ex-crack cocaine addict, and uh, mm-hmm. he reached out to me in the summer of 2016 uh, for a private meeting on August 15th and of 2016. Uh, we went in there, and he, we talked about, he said, Mike, you always wear your cross on TV. He says, are you a Christian? I said, yes, Mr. Trump, this is a divine appointment, and we talked about I said, you know, I was a crack addict. I'm going to come back. I'm going to have this amazing platform to help addicts called the Lindo Recovery Network. I've been working on it for years. And he says, and I'm going to stop the drugs pouring in. We talked about, he talked about all the things he was going to do with bringing jobs back and asked me about my pillow me made in the USA. But all these amazing things that, that he, we talked about. And I got out of there. I said, man, he's going to be the greatest president ever. I went all in, as you know, and I was attacked by the media. Um, Attacked by the Better Business Bureau, it's been uh, never-ending attacks. Um, wow. But every day, is my what my busiest day is always the day we're in. But over the years, then over the last three and a half years, what amazing is promises made, promises kept. We became great friends. In fact, he called me the other night. Um, he says, Mike. Uh, he says uh, we talked about Minnesota. You know, um, he says, you know, if we win Minnesota, he said it's over. And I said, yes. I said. I am. We're going to win Minnesota. I said some of the worst decisions in political history were made by our governor and uh, the mayor of Minneapolis and it manifested into riots and all these things, these horrific things across our country and world. And things should have been done right away. Just terrible decisions made and are still made in democratic cities and, con- and states across the country. So I've been, I've been kept for a guy that was never into politics Boy, I sure, uh, you know, my calling is evangelism, you know, and speaking out for Jesus. But I realize how politics affect our people's faith. Everything in our lives are affected by politics. And if politics lead us down a bad path because of people's bad agendas, I've got so many people in the, in D.C. now, from senators to congressmen on both Democrats and Republicans, that, man, you can have so much uh mixed agenda, personal agenda, political agenda, not making decisions for the people. Our president makes great decisions. Here's a problem. Here's a solution. But he knows what it's going to manifest to in our daily lives. And what we are so blessed that he led us through this pandemic, because Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, um, I can't imagine if anybody else would have been in charge of our country. Go ahead, Chris. Mike, in 2016, the president became got very close to winning uh, Minnesota, a state that Democrats usually pick up. Um, he seems to be making a very strong play for for Minnesota this cycle. You're there in Minnesota. You've, you're from there. You have a business there. Give us a report on the ground uh, about Minnesota. Does the president have a chance of picking it up? Not a chance. It's a hundred percent chance. We are. We. I, I'm sure we have not won since 1972. But listen, the reason I know this, he saved our iron range, our farmers. We just got the biggest. Uh, I mean, the uh, biggest purchase order ever from China. I mean, our iron range in Minnesota, he, he saved. But more importantly, is all the promises made, he's kept. And what's happening here in Minnesota is. I talked to Democrats. In fact, I did a commercial the other day. I'm the chairman of the Minnesota Trump campaign, and we did commercials, and I wanted to make them like my pillow. I didn't want to meet the people ahead of time. And these are Democrats that are flipping. 
And I asked them, how come you're flipping? How come you're flipping? The answers that came out of their mouths were so common to everybody in the streets. It's, uh, you know what? That My party, the Democrat Party, that ship sailed. It's no longer that party. Uh, it's a radical left, crazy socialist party that they would be voting for. And then they said all these other ones are going, you know, um, here in Minnesota, these terrible decisions that were made here by our governor and our, they know what poor radical leadership can do. And, and uh, with these Democratic leaders in Minnesota, especially the mayor of Minneapolis and our governor. Well, what the common thing was, though, in the, as them flipping is all their values that they go, you know, the Democrat Party used to say right before an election, we're going to help people and we're going to do this and all these promises. And then the election would come and go. And none of it would be fulfilled. And they look across over here and see Donald Trump has fulfilled his promises. Every one of them he's, that he said he was going to do, he's done. And they're going, you know, I'm voting over here. And that's what you're seeing all the way across Minnesota, the inner cities of Minneapolis and stuff. These people are flipping to Minnesota or to Donald Trump because their businesses got ruined. Over a thousand businesses. My friends, I lived with in them streets. And it was just horrific what what came out of here with what poor leadership can do when you have a political agenda rather than a businessman common sense agenda. Talking to the My Pillow guy, Mike Lindell. Mike, from the standpoint of a business owner, why do you believe that Trump's plan is better for jobs and the economy than Biden and the Democrats? Well, the Democrats don't have a plan. They don't. And uh, and what he's done as a business owner, the bureaucracy, the bureaucracy that goes with that stifles businesses. It's not just all the all the uh, other things, the tax cuts and everything else. These this stuff, the rules that these things. Um, that affect businesses that's you know um, all these rules and and regulations that he's rolled back that were frivolous that stop small businesses from going forward these are so important and I've and every business out there knows what I'm talking about. You know, you go to places like California, you just you can't even hardly do business there anymore uh, because it's so that's there's a good example. There's a Democratic run state that has just ruined businesses because they can't all these rules and regulations. The president is a businessman and he knows what businesses need or which then transfers into jobs. You know, my uh, at my pillow. Well, we know it. We've always paid go. Well, we have careers at my pillow, not just jobs. But we noticed, you know, right before this pandemic, all everybody was working, and the wages were going up. Everybody was jockeying for better wages. Corporate America, they were switching. They got to switch careers if they wanted. And uh, entrepreneurs and and uh, in either service or inventing something, a product. They, they could go out and take chances now because they could always fall back to a great paying job. So when we come out of this, we're going to even be better, stronger than ever. And, and uh, I can't imagine where we would have been in this, this China virus pandemic, where we would have been if he hadn't built the greatest economy in the world right before it. So, I, you know, people are not going to have uh, short memories here because it's coming back faster than ever. And, uh, and it's just uh, he's a great he's got a God given gift, problem solution, and he knows how it's going to manifest to. And he cares about each and every one of us to have a great life here and uh, and uh, what it's going to do for us. And it does make, make a difference if you're doing something that's not going to help the people. We, he does stuff to help the people. Got a few minutes left with Mike Lindell. Go ahead, Chris. 
Yeah, Mike, I want to talk about my pillow a little bit. Mike, my pillow is a wildly successful company. I'm sure you can't walk down the street and anywhere here in America without people knowing who you are. But I've always been curious. Do you do a lot of sales outside of the country? Hey, I'm a, I'm in Australia. I just opened a plant in England, but I haven't been there yet. Um, it's kind of like that song. I got a mansion. They tell me it's nice. I haven't been over there. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, so we're doing a lot of stuff, but I've concentrated so much here in the United States, and a lot. I do still have products that have to be made overseas, like my sheets. You can't make sheets here in the United States anymore because there's no weavers or spinners left. Or like my mm-hmm. towels, we use USA cotton, but that technology I have that I, that I, you know, this proprietary technology isn't available here in the U.S., so I have to ship the cotton over to be made and then ship the towels back. There's things that, you know, I do everything I can that I can possibly do in the U.S., but it's like a diamond. If you don't have a diamond in my hair, you got to go where the diamonds are. And uh, But, boy, the, the, uh, I'm excited. The, you know, everyone knows, you know, worldwide out there, um, you know, with the my pillow, I, I guess I've been on. It's the commercials have bled overseas so much on CNN and Fox that uh, I can go anywhere. I go to Israel and they recognize me on the street. Really, yeah. kind of strange. So I should start selling uh, selling my pillows worldwide. But right now we're uh, I'm just so busy here with trying to get this great president elected, helping yeah. him, and uh, and then uh, you know they brought me uh, and actually a cure to this terrible virus that was brought uh, last uh, April and. Obviously, that's been you all seen. I'm sure people seen the Anderson Cooper interview and just attacked. But I think now with everything going on right now, um, the word will get out that this is safe and everything. That was bio phoenixbiotechnology.com, and they uh, everyone can check it out there. This stuff's been this stuff's been around and it works. And it's a, it's a shame that uh, for political reasons or whatever that they're not letting this on the market. Mike, unfortunately, we're almost out of time. And before we let you go, I I hope we can get you back to talk about some more of these issues and delve a little bit deeper into some of these topics sometime in the very near future. But before we run out of time, um, I have been very open with the audience of this radio show about my uh, struggle with my opioid addiction that I, right. you know, that I have luckily been able to defeat and and keep down. You never, you never could, you never truly win the fight, but I've been winning the fight for years and years now. But so things like uh, the Lindell Recovery Network are very uh, close to my heart and things that I am a big believer in. So in this uh, last minute or two that we have with you, could you tell us a little bit about the the Lindell Recovery Network and how people can get in touch with it if they if they need to? Yeah, well, you can go to lindellrecoverynetwork.com or .org and lindellrecoverynetwork.org, and uh, either one gets you there. And this is going to be the best help ever. Um, I've worked on it now for two over two years, and let me. Here's the premise of it: you go to a um, you go to a treatment center. Um, there's 30 some states in our country where you go to a um, treatment center. And you have to go, you have to be like four years of college to treat, to give counseling to an addict. Well, I've forgotten more about addiction than that counselor is ever going to know. I want to, I want to hear from an addict that's made it through to the other side. Amen. I want that person to hear from Amen, him. Mike. I want that to be my hope match. The whole premise of this, and it involves a couple hundred thousand churches. It involves over 5,000 faith-based treatment centers, the ones that work at your Teen Challenges, Salvation Army, Union Gospels, and the best online help in history. These are addicts that have been through it, 
and that's your hope. And they, and they, you're going to, uh, you know, you're going to find out that the, uh, the foundation you need to get your heart restored. Addiction is not a disease. These come from childhood wounds, fatherlessness, all kinds of stuff. Uh, and it can be trauma. You never know. And to mass pain, to um, false courage, all kinds of things. So it's a whole different way of looking at things, but it's, uh, it's going to help millions of addicts across the country. And by the way, addiction is not just someone that you perceive, oh, some homeless guy in the street. It affects all of us, no matter how many forks you eat with. There's two of us in this conversation right now, Mike. So uh, I, I wish you all the luck. And again, I hope that we can have you back on real soon to continue to talk about that organization that you're putting together. And like I said, have some more time to delve into some of these uh, important topics that are facing the American voter. We'll talk to you, I hope, real soon. All right. Thanks, Thanks, guys. God bless you. You bet. Back at you. That's Mike Lindell, the My Pillow Guy. Great stuff. And uh, like I said, I hope we get another chance to talk to him real soon. Got to take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll have a little fun with our buddy Skip Weber and a brand new edition of the Weird News Challenge. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. You know that we're about to have some fun. We're going to talk to our buddy Skip Weber from Weber Chevrolet, and we've got a brand new edition of the Weird News Challenge coming up. So uh, don't go anywhere. Skip, welcome back to the show. How's it going, my friend? It's going well. It's going well. You uh, uh, you got a tough. You're following a, a tough act. We just talked to the My Pillow guy. Yeah, well, I can't help it. I don't have any Egyptian cotton or anything like that. <laughs> I don't have any patents on any on any stuffing or pillow fill. Or, you know, so patented fill. His patented fill. I'm just a uh, car guy and a rock and roll guy. There so. you go. There hey, you Tony. Go. Yes. This just shows what a great show we have. We can have back to back very successful businessmen. On. Dang right. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yep. That's... Yeah. Well, let's not uh, let's not try to put us in the same category. Of success. <laughs> I'll let you know when I'm getting closer. Okay. So yeah, it's been a it's been a while, but we get a chance to play the weird news challenge today. Um, you would, let's just jump right into that, and if we have some time afterwards to talk about some other stuff, we will do so. But uh, I'm excited. It's been a few weeks since we've had a chance to play, and this week is going to be just a traditional game, straight up, straight up traditional weird news challenge. It's episode number ninety, if you can Ooh. believe it. We are closing wow. in on the one hundredth edition. Of the Weird News Challenge. Uh, A traditional game means today's questions are going to revolve around current news stories that may be a little off the beaten path, uh, maybe a little strange news stories. So uh, I'll ask uh, these guys four trivia questions revolving these recent uh, uh, stories. We'll have a tiebreaker if we need it. And then at the very, very end, we will have the QMD, the question of mass destruction, which would ensure an automatic victory, could steal the game at the very end if somebody is able to answer that question. But this week's, I'm going to say, I always try to make the QMD gettable, uh, but, but you know, very difficult. 
This is this is one of the I think more difficult but still gettable QMDs that we've uh, that we've ever had. Uh, before we get started, let's test everyone's buzzer. Chris Arps. Hey Tony, before we get going too, can you give us an yeah. update on who is winning and who's and all that? <laughs> yeah, you bet. Uh, so I know I'm not close, but I'm just curious. You are in second place. Uh, but it's distant. <laughs> As I mentioned, this is episode number 90. Skip Weber has 31 victories. Whoa. Chris Arps has 18 victories. Carl, who's not played nearly as many times as the other two, has eight victories. Woo. So that's where we're at. Uh, Trish Gazelle, who hasn't had a chance to play in a while, is uh, in third place with 15. We'll have to get Trish back on uh, to play really, really soon. So I thought, uh, I thought Trish quit. I haven't heard from her in so long. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She got she just got scared. Yeah. She doesn't want yeah. to do it anymore. Yeah. Can't handle the fire. Uh Carl, test your buzzer. Carl. And Skip Weber. Ding 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 ding. All right. And as I mentioned this week, we have four questions. Question number four is a multiple point question, and then the QMD at the very end. So the game is never truly over until it's over. Here we go. Weekend Report, Weird News Challenge, episode 90. Question number one. What woman that originally drew public attention when she was featured in the Netflix documentary Tiger King? Carl. Carl. Carol Baskin. That's correct. Carol Baskin is correct. She's off of Dancing with the Stars now. Skip and Chris. He never does these before. I know. I should put the uh, other... Yeah, the rest of the question was... Oh, I should have said that the Katie Fitzpatrick rule is not in effect, which means you can buzz in any time. And uh, the rest of the question was, uh, what woman that that originally drew public attention when she was featured in the Netflix series Tiger King was eliminated this week from Dancing with the Stars, and that is Carol Baskin. Anybody else got a problem with somebody who may have... Committed a murder, being on Dancing <laughs> with the Stars. Is that too heavy no for the? Is that, is that too heavy for the Weird News Challenge? Or no, can I ask I, that question? No, no. You can ask no. that question. I think I have a problem with that I, too, Tony. Right. I, I'm wondering if is there anybody out there that watched the Tiger King that does not think she did it? I've never, I've never seen. I didn't watch. I, did I not broke watch up Tiger after King, three episodes. But I, but the way I understand it is, like you just said, Skip, that there's a whole lot of evidence. That really yeah. points at her. Yeah, but the the, the other well, guy, the other the other nothing doc. but circumstantial. There's nothing but right. circumstantial and speculation. But if you're watching a movie, okay, and this is playing out, you're going, well, that's who did it, right? You know, if you're watching, it, <laughs> right. it's, it's so obvious. You just can't prove it. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, that's a little. I don't know. That's a little icky to me. But I'm not. Yeah. Uh, I didn't watch Tiger King, and I don't watch Dancing it, with the Stars. It wasn't. So. It wasn't. Hit, it wasn't her documentary. It was. Tiger King's documentary. No, so I know, but they, I'm talking she's about she's the villain. Yeah, but, but I'm talking about putting her on Dancing with the Stars. It wasn't uh, put on by Tiger King. It certainly was not favorable light towards to Tiger any King. of them. Right. It was, yeah, yeah, toward anybody in it. Yeah. Right. So, all right, here we go. Question number two: We recently entered the fall season. Mm. On what day did fall start? Skip Weber. September twenty-first. Incorrect. Carl. Carl. September 20th. Incorrect. Chris, you want to take a shot at it? How about 22nd? That is correct. Chris Harps. There we go. The 22nd. I think you did that 
question in summer fall. and in spring. No, I think I did uh, time. When did the time change? Ah. Yeah. I'm doing. Uh, I, yes. Yeah. After yes. after the uh, mistake with the. Uh, Bob Benkin, I have to go back and check these questions. Don't take the better. luster off of my so, my win there. No, you got call. it, buddy. You, you got wanted it. the first full. <laughs> you wanted the first. What day did what on what day did fall start in 2020? September 22nd. Question number three. Speaking of fall, hmm. Kraft introduced a new flavor of mac and cheese to the U.S. this week. I'll be ding, 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 ding. Skip Weber. Total guess, but there's logic behind it. I'm going to say. Pumpkin spice. That is correct. I, I, yeah. I, I, Good guess, I was going to guess that, and I couldn't bring myself to do it. <laughs> total guess, but totally smart to guess it. Yes, Kraft introduced a new flavor of mac and cheese to the U.S. Right now, it's only in a contest. I think you had to, like, Ugh. use the hashtag pumpkin spice or something, and you could win uh, pumpkin spice macaroni and cheese from Kraft, Ugh. but uh, I'm sure it will be, um, I'm sure it'll be on shelves at some point because everything else is pumpkin spice right now. That's All the right. new hot thing. We're tied. All right, listen to this. We're going into the final question. Everybody has one point, and question number four happens to have four possible <gasps> points. So uh -oh. this is still anyone's game. Question number four. This past Monday was National North Carolina Day. For one point each, what four states border? Carl. <laughs> Skip Weber. Mm -hmm. South Carolina. Is one. Tennessee. Two. You get one more and nobody can catch you. Uh, let's say Virginia. Yes. Got Ooh, it. You, you want to try the other one? That would be, let me think here. Hold on. Let me picture it. Uh, Georgia. Yeah, that is correct. Yep. Got Dude, all I of them. I went through all those states this week. I could have gotten that. <laughs> you could on have. On my way to North you could Carolina. Have. Went and, through all those states. I could have gotten this one. And I would like to make it very clear that we that I took into effect into account yep. the delay. Yep. Because people listening are probably saying Carl, Carl got that before <laughs> Skip did. But we we give about a half Ty second delay. Yeah, we give about a half second delay to the the folks. Uh, on I the think phone. the people. I think the people are saying they finally gave Skip the, the benefit <laughs> of the doubt and let him beat, beat Carl with, after all these weeks. That's what most of the people are saying. Yes, possibly. That's what the My Pillow guys say. So <laughs> right, yeah. You know he's still listening. Of course he's still listening. He's in Australia. Did he say he's in Australia? I think he said I have a we, new factory in Australia. in Australia, Tony. I think he's in Australia. Oh, okay. It's yeah. tomorrow for him. Yeah. I thought he was saying, like, generically, we're in, I'm in Australia. Like, my pillow is in Australia. No, he, he said the that question they was, how are you doing? A new he was plant. like, I'm in Australia. I'm in, I'm in the UK. I'm in Minnesota. I think he's physically in Australia. I think he's okay. physically right. in Australia. All right. I believe you guys. <laughs> Tiebreaker, had oh. we have needed it, but we don't. Uh, there was no bigger th story this week than the presidential debate which had a lot of people talking afterwards. Mm -hmm. But according to a recent survey, what percentage of American workers say you should never, under any circumstances, discuss politics at work? Anybody want to take a guess of what uh, this survey said? My guess is 100%. <laughs> That's what it should be. That's what it should be. I'll say 50%. Chris, you want to take it? It doesn't mean anything, but you want to just take a guess at it for the fun of it? What? Yes, 80%. What? Only 26%. Woo. Wow. 20, yeah. 
Uh, 26% said that you should never, under any circumstances, discuss politics at work. 53% said it depends on the situation. And 22% said it's totally fine to talk about politics at work. All right, so Skip Weber has won the game unless yes. somebody... So far. So yeah, unless, so far. unless someone can steal it here in the QMD. And Skip, of course, you can buzz in on the QMD as well. Here we go. Question of mass destruction. Within 2 million, that's your, you get a wide berth here. <laughs> Within 2 million, how many people Carl. vote? Okay. Within 2 million? Within 2 million. 71 and a half. No. Damn. I'll finish the question. Damn it. That's what, what did you got think me. the question was? How many people watched the debate? No. That was not the question. Within 2 million, how many people voted in the 2016 election? Ooh. Within 2 million, how many people voted in the 2016 election? Wow. Can I answer? Yeah, of course you can. Oh, 120 million. No. God, was close, though, Chris. Not, I know. But not close enough. Skip Weber right. has won the 90th edition a, of the Weird News uh, Channel. He's going to make a guess. Yeah, now. go ahead, guess. Skip. Go ahead. I'm going to guess 112 million. 128 million oh. people voted. Almost 129. 128,838,342 people voted. So, I knew it was about 60 them, to eight on each side. Yeah. How many of them were, were living? <laughs> <laughs> How many people voted twice? The Chicago people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. How many uh, people voted once and how many people were deceased? Right. Skip, before uh, we got a few minutes left here, what's uh, what's happening at Weber Chevrolet? Well, we got a brand new month. Uh, everything's reset with gigantic incentives again. Fun times here. Usually in October, we have really good sales on pre-owned and pretty good sales ramping up on the new model year. But we still have more of the previous model year than normal because of all those delays with uh with production so it's just a little bit different october lots of stuff really good things really good really really good selection you know number one vehicle in st louis crossover wise is equinox we got an enormous amount of them we're still getting a handful of that extra 300 we got so check that out that, that that's probably the bargain of, of the month and tonight's saturday evening rock show tonight's saturday evening rock show is a really good one Last last week, we featured the great sound man, Glenn Johns, and all of the different groups that he has worked with. This this That was a different, unique theme. This week's theme is this back half of another theme we've done. For example, we mm. did one week we did Kings, and then a few weeks later, we did Queens. One week, we did Gold. A few weeks later, we did Silver. One week, we did Dogs, and many weeks later, we did Cats. So there's a few of those like that. Gotcha. This is the back half, like an opposite of another theme we've done before. With some really, really, really good songs in it. Uh, but I think that's what I say every week. But there's <laughs> always a bunch of songs I like. Uh, some songs you have heard and know and love. Some songs you may remember that song. And some songs you've never heard before ever from bands you love. 
that's what our show's about, and yeah. I hope you like it. Make sure you check it out every Saturday night right here on 97.1 FM Talk, the number one music show on a talk station in the world, the Saturday Evening Rock Show with Skip Weber. One of the uh, things that I was going to make a question on the uh, Weird News Challenge today uh, was that the XFL is once again coming back. The Rock is trying to revive this league for the third time. Still have a couple minutes left in the show, so I wanted to uh, ask you guys about uh, uh, what you think about that. Uh, they didn't necessarily. They haven't said for sure that St. Louis is back, but they put together this production they package. They were featured in the head coach was featured yeah, in the video. They put together this production package to roll out the uh, that it's coming back, and there was a lot of Battle Hawks highlights in that so, package. What do you think? So Skip? there's a couple things. A couple things. First off, if they if they come back and don't include St. Louis, they're nuts. It was by far yeah. the most popular city. Agreed. But here's the deal. This died because of COVID. It didn't die because of the unpopularity. I think it would have worked. I think people yeah. think that it was working and would have worked. Yeah. If they but but they didn't they weren't flush, flush, overflowing with their bank vaults with cash. So that when they had to cancel the games, they couldn't survive. Chris, you agree with um, that analysis? I'm going to say this. My ears really peaked up until you said Dwayne The Rock was involved in it. Then I no, 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 uh, no interest at all. Since he endorsed he, uh, Joe Biden. Endorsed uh, another yeah, that, candidate that I don't support. Yeah, that's another. That's a whole nother can of worms because <laughs> but the that's Rock, not what we're talking about. The Rock <laughs> has spoke at the RNC and he's kind of been a conservative uh, uh, actor in Hollywood, and I think he's caught some to me caught some people off guard when he uh, when he endorsed Joe Biden this week. But maybe that's but as a, a businessman, maybe that's an issue that we can talk about next week because we don't <laughs> have time to do so. Very interesting, though, to see the XFL giving it this third try. I've never seen a league get so many opportunities. Uh, but you know what? If it brings football back to St. Louis and it can entertain thousands like it did before and we can put thousands of fans in the stadium like we did uh but, this t- last but Tony, time don't, ahead, don't don't say it's another it's a third try because the second one really didn't count. That's you a good count point. That, yeah. One and a half. Yeah, yeah you're exactly yeah. right. Skip Weber, thanks again for your time today, sir. We got to wrap up today's show. So for producer Carl Middleman and my partner Chris Arps, I'm Tony Colombo. Thank you so much for listening to another edition of the Weekend Report here on 97.1 FM Talk. Get more at 971talk.com. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.